Let's pray. Father, I ask that as we study your word today, you would give us wisdom and strength, Lord. We want to be studiers. We want to understand. Let your Holy Spirit empower us and enlighten us and teach us. We love you, Lord, in your name. Amen. Wives, likewise, be submissive to your own husbands. Let's sing our last song. No, I'm kidding. (laughs) Oh, yeah. That's not even the right thing. Where is it? Hello. Wonderful. So this thing is being weird. Give me a second. Oh, I know why. I've got the wrong one up. We're in the wrong spot. There it is. Wives, likewise, be submissive to your own husbands. Uh, There's a word here that's a really important word for us as we study, because when we study, we want to look at words like this because they mean something, right? Themselves, without, without more, how do I know what likewise means here? Likewise to what, right? And so we have likewise, which in the Greek, uh, it's defined as likewise, um, equally in the same way, according to Strong's uh, on the Greek there. So in the same way as what? We have to ask ourselves. Well, the only way we can know that is what? We got to connect back to whatever. It's likewise. So when you say, wives, likewise be submissive to your own husband, like who? Like what? What kind of submission are we talking about? Well, praise the Lord. He gives us the scripture so we can know what he's talking about. So we got to go back and look at where submission is last mentioned in order to know what likewise we're doing. Well, here we go. Last chapter, this is uh, 1 Peter 3, but it's actually 1 Peter 2, 13 through 14. Therefore, submit yourselves to every ordinance of man for the Lord's sake, whether to the king as supreme or to governors, as to those who are sent by him for the punishment of evildoers and for the praise of those who do good. Okay, so that's, the, that's what does it say? Submit. And we have here, submit. So we're saying likewise. So at least we know, because this is the chapter before. Remember, they didn't have chapters and verses. He's just writing one letter. So he talks about submission, and then he says likewise. But, but we have another problem, because in this one, we have the word therefore. So now, as we're studying, we go back, well, what's likewise? And we go back to likewise, it says therefore. We have to understand what the therefore is there for. Um, so we have to connect that, which takes us to the beginning of chapter 2. So we know what the therefore is that he's talking about there. Um, And he, oops, that's not where we want to go. And at the beginning of chapter two, he talks about several things. One, and I'm not going to put this up, just this is the beginning of the chapter. Hopefully you get your Bibles open. Therefore, laying aside all malice, all deceit, hypocrisy, envy, and all evil speaking, as newborn babes, desire the pure pure milk of the word that you may grow thereby. We just prayed about this. We want the word so that we can grow. Okay. If indeed you have tasted that the Lord is gracious. Okay, so that's, so he's beginning what he's telling us there at the beginning of two. And then in 2.8, uh, the second part of the verse says, they stumble being disobedient to the word to which they also were appointed. So we're talking about desire the word. And this says there are certain people who were appointed to the word who have stumbled. Okay, so we're here, what are we dealing with here? We know about this Jews and Gentiles, those who have been appointed to the word, who have rejected it, those who have been appointed to the word, who desire it. So we're talking about those people. And I'm talking kind of fast, but I want to get through all this today. Um, so there were others who were appointed to the word, they were disobedient. You're appointed to the word, you're going to be good. Why? 1 Peter 2, 9 through 10. But you are a chosen generation, a royal priesthood. 
okay? A royal priesthood, a holy nation, his own special people that you may proclaim the praises of him who called you out of darkness into his marvelous light, who once were not a people, but now are the people of God, who had not obtained mercy, but now have obtained mercy. So what's he saying? So you got to desire the word. There are people who are appointed to the word that didn't desire it and have become disobedient. But you do, and, and because of who you are, who you've been appointed, you're this chosen generation, this royal priesthood, this holy nation. What's holiness set apart? What's a priesthood set apart? How do we know? Uh, look at the book of Leviticus, okay? Uh, you want to just go to chapter 22 in Leviticus, one of the more fun books out there. It's fun to say. It's fun to read. Highly recommend. All right, Leviticus 22, and just randomly taking this from part of this week's reading that we had in the app. Then the Lord spoke to Moses saying, speak to Aaron and his sons that they separate themselves from the holy things of the children of Israel, and that they do not profane my holy name by what they dedicate to me. I am the Lord. And he goes on, he talks about, I mean, and it's just over and over and over here. What's, what do the priests have to do? That separates them from what the other people are doing. These are a separate people. They, do, they act differently than the other people. And what's he saying here? Likewise, you are a royal priesthood, a holy, set apart, pure, right, nation. That's who you are. So you need the word. And not like these people, you need to be set apart, doing the proper thing. So that's where we are. And then he goes through a list of things. A list of things that look like that. This is, how do you know I'm set apart? How do you know I'm a royal priesthood? How do you know that I'm doing the things that I'm called to do, separate from those who, see, who hear the word and they disobey? What does it look like to obey? And he goes through this list. He starts with uh, verse 11 in chapter 2. This, you've been through this stuff before. I'm just hitting it real quick so you can understand how we're working into wives submitting to their husbands. It says this. Uh, this is 2.11 through 12. Beloved, I beg you as sojourners and pilgrims, abstain from fleshly lust with war, which war gets a soul. Okay? You know what that means? Having your conduct honorable among the Gentiles, that when they speak against you as evildoers, they may by your good works, which they observe, glorify God in the day of visitation. So what's going on? Don't live in the flesh, live in the spirit. That's different than these other Gentiles. You're, you're in among these people. Remember, Peter's right to these churches. They're in the region of Turkey, what we would now call modern-day Turkey. And they're there, mostly Gentiles. And he's saying, you're going to act different. They're all giving into their fleshly lust. You're not going to do that, okay? You're going to have conduct that is honorable among them. Why? Because not only is it the right thing to do, it is also a testimony to them. It is a testimony to them that you do what is right. Some of you have probably been, if, you're, if you do right things, sometimes people will be like, oh, you're such a prude. Or, oh, come on. Why can't you do whatever? That's, that's a test, y'all. Is it real? Is it real? They want to know. Because the testimony of your good works actually are a testimony to them of the transformational work that Jesus Christ is doing. And trust me, they are looking for transformation. And so that's what it's saying. And because of all this separation and the witness that we have, he goes to the next one, which is the one we just read, 2, 13 and 14. Therefore, submit yourselves to every ordinance of man. Is that the normal way that people are? Do they normally submit themselves to the governing authorities, to the, to the people? No. We complain. We backbite. I mean, you're talking about Rome here. So you have a series of 
backbitings, murders, you know, whatever. The, everyone's looking for power. Everyone's trying to do the thing. And he's saying, listen, listen, just as to these things that they're doing that are the right things, submit to that. Submit to them, kings, governors, those who are sent by him for the punishment of evildoers and the praise of those who do good. We do it, why? As a witness to the unbeliever and as a holiness and a separation from the world who does not do that. We follow the law, we respect the leaders, we do what is right. We should show submission when other people show disrespect. And you go, wait a second, you keep saying that word submission. Don't like that word. Yes, I don't either. None, none of us do, right? But it is the beginning of all wisdom, in my opinion. It is the beginning of real life in Christ when you actually submit to him as Lord. And then we show our submission in this way. We show our submission by submitting to the leaders. Who else did so? Well, Jesus did. Pay to Caesar what's Caesar's, to God what's God's, and ultimately submitting himself to death. Unfairly, but he did it. And that was a, not only was it the save, saving of our souls, his death and resurrection, but it was a witness. He didn't have to do that. So we submit. As a witness to the unbeliever, we show submission when others show disrespect. When others ask for their rights, we submit. It's something that separates us from other people. Well, it keeps going. Servants, now he's talking to servants. This is all going to be part of the likewise, okay? So remember, all this is about likewise. Servants, be submissive to your masters with all fear. Okay, this, this word fear here is like fear, reverence, right? Revering your masters, respecting your masters. So this is, the, this is the last submissive before the word likewise. And I know you're not going to like this. Wives particularly, okay? But it, don't worry. We're going to get to husbands, so just hang tight. But it says, be submissive to your masters with all fear, not only to the good and gentle, but also to the harsh. Hmm. Now that likewise isn't like, oh, I don't know about that likewise. That's, it's pretty easy to submit to my good and gentle husband. What about my harsh husband? It's a good thing we don't have any of those here in this church, and so I know I'm just, we're talking theoretically. But it's possible that sometimes... Husbands can not be great. Now, don't, don't hear me to be saying that you should allow abuse to happen to yourself. That's not what I'm talking about, okay? Now, here, Peter is undoubtedly talking about that. In that culture, the, the, between a master and a servant, in that co culture, a master could come over and smack you one on the side of the head. He didn't like what you were doing. He just he'd physically harm you, right? That was part of, the, part of the culture that they had there. So he's saying, yeah. You workers, when that happens, you still submit. You still show reverence, show fear. For this is commendable. It's a good thing. You're commending yourself. Who? To who? Who? To those who it's a witness to. To those who it's a testimony to. Because we are going to go through bad things. Christianity is not a ticket out of bad things. That is not what it is. You can, you can go and you can watch and some... Some people will try to act as though Christianity is just blessing after blessing after blessing waiting to happen where you get just richer and healthier and everything's great. That is not Christianity. And, and I don't even know how you could read the Bible and ever think that. What is he saying here? It's commendable if you let them, if when they hit you, you still submit. That's what he's saying here about these servants and masters. If because of conscience towards God, one endures grief, suffering wrongfully... 
For what credit is it if when you are beaten for your faults, you take it patiently? So if you mess up, you, don't, you dishonor the master, you do whatever, and he, and he hits you one. That's not really showing like, oh, you're really, you're really showing yourself. It's really commendable. No. What he's saying is, hey, but when you do good and suffer, if you take it patiently, this is, the, this is commendable before God. Now, this is not a great sermon to make people be like, yes, Christianity sounds great. Love this. So they hit me, and then I say, yay, right? That's not, the point of what he's saying here is, when you're treated unfairly, when God has put you in a position to be in a role of submission, and all of us are, we're submitted to God, right? We're going to see husbands and wives are submitted to each other in different ways, You're submitted to the state. You're submitted to the city, to the county. I could go drive my car or my motorcycle as fast as I want. Trust me, I can't do that. It's not safe. Uh, But they'll also, you know, put me in handcuffs if I do that enough. Like, we have people who were submissive too. And it's not fun. And the Bible says, no, no, that's what you're going to do. You're going to do it because it's a witness to those who are watching. It's a witness to the Gentiles. It shows that you're separate. For to this you were called. What? Well, what is this? Well, let's go back to the verse. When you do good and suffer. What were you called to? To do good and suffer. Welcome to church. Why? Because Christ also suffered for us, leaving us an example. He didn't ask you to do something he wasn't willing to do himself, and guess what? He was perfect. He never sinned. He actually was good. And he said, look, we're going to follow in his steps, doing good, and because the world is evil, we should suffer. If the world was good, only the evil would suffer, right? Good would mean people who do evil, they're the ones who suffer. People who do good, they get the good things, okay? You go and talk to the people in, in India, uh, in certain places where, they, where there's just a very heavy emphasis on karma, which is not a thing, by the way. At best, karma is a description of when you do things, usually things happen, and when you do things bad, usually bad things happen, but that's about as far as it goes. There's no thing called karma out there in the world. In fact, the world is completely broken, and so because it's broken, Christ died and suffered for us because of our brokenness, but... In a good world, the Messiah never would have had to die. But in a bad world, he does. Why? Because in a bad world, in a sinful world, the good will suffer because the world is evil. And so if you're going to be good and you're going to follow God, there's going to be some suffering. Now, I am not saying you're going to suffer all day, every day for the rest of your life, and that's why you just get used to stuff. There's lots of joy. Even Paul, who's getting shipwrecked and they're stoning him and they're doing all that, he still had lots of joy. He clearly was having a good time a lot of the time. He had people and friends that loved him, whatever. He also had friends that betrayed him. He also had people that wanted to harm him and put him to death. But he also had a good old time. Why? Because he was always trusting the Lord, and he was always looking to Christ as an example and trying to follow his steps, which is your call too. Christ, who committed no sin, nor was deceit found in his mouth, who when he was reviled, did not revile in return. Ooh, that's a tough one. Whew. Anybody have a car? Yeah. When I get reviled, I want to revile in return. 
reviled in this case, like when they cut me off. You know what I'm saying? You want to revile a little bit in return, you got to not do that. Because Christ didn't do it. Who's our example? Christ. When he suffered, he did not threaten, but committed himself to him who judges righteously. So when you suffer, you go, I will let God judge between me and the one who's making me suffer. I will let God, the real judge, judge between me and the one who's making me suffer. Who himself bore our sins in his own body on the tree, that we, having died to sins, might live for righteousness, by whose stripes you were healed. For you were like sheep going astray, but have now returned to the shepherd and overseer of your souls. Jesus Christ is the shepherd. He is overseer of your soul. And part of what has drawn you to him was his loving submission to the cross. Despising the shame, but for the joy that was set before him, the scriptures tell us in Hebrews, he endured the cross. You also will endure some pain and some suffering. And if you do so patiently, which is to say, not that, not, not that you don't have any bad feelings about it, not that you don't go through stuff, but you trust the Lord and you get through it, it will be a witness to those that you trust Jesus and that you trust him more than anything because the world does not react that way. The world wants justice. The world wants judgment. The world wants its rights. The world is not submissive. Sin is not submissive. It's the whole point of sin. Sin is going to the flesh, not submitting to what's right, not submitting to the spirit. When you submit even to the point where you are treated unfairly and you bear it, you are following the example of Christ and therefore pointing to him. And so in your suffering, there's more happening than you think. There's more happening than you think in your suffering. Part of what's happening is people are looking at you and saying, what is this going to be like for them? How are they going to react to this? Because if that happened to me, I'll tell you what I'd do. Uh, go to your unbelieving friends when something bad happens and you've decided to forbear it and forgive it and whatever. And it would not be uncommon for you to run this position. I wouldn't do that. I'll tell you what I'd do. And then they go a list of reviling for reviling, Right? But the Christ follower is supposed to be different, supposed to handle it different. Supposed to understand that this is part of what it looks like to be in a fallen world. That as we follow Christ, why would we get anything different than he did? He tells us, they hated me, they hate you. Right? What, what does he promise? Persecution. What else does he promise? That will be with us to the end. That we'll have joy, hope, peace, love, satisfaction in him. So many good things. By no means is a Christ follower living a life of nothing but suffering. But suffering is part of the life that we live. I'm not saying to seek it out. That's crazy. But I'm saying it's coming. You already know that. I had a pastor, Jimmy Inman, who's actually been here and preached before, uh, who, who would say, you're either in a trial, in a storm, or you're about to go into one, or you've just come out of one. Generally speaking, he's not totally wrong about that, right? Life is a series of these things. But, there's, but in that in-between time coming out and going in and all the rest, there's lots of joy, even in the midst of it. There's lots of joy. When Jesus is in the storm and he's just sleeping, everyone else is freaking out. They're all in the same storm. One of them was able to sleep. Why? He's God. He trusted his father. 
He knew that whatever was supposed to happen was going to happen. I've had to learn to be that way on airplanes because it doesn't make sense, right, for that big steel thing to be able to go in the sky. Something off about that. And so I'm sitting here in this big tube, and there's all these people and some joker flying the plane, probably big mustache, you know, the type. <laughs> probably just a glorious mustache. And, uh, and I'm sitting there, and I have to think, well, if this is the day, then that's the Lord's plan. And if it's not, that's not the Lord's plan. Done. Do-do-do, put your headphones in and listen to a podcast. Can't really fall asleep very well on those things, but at least I can, uh, I can chill out. Why? Same reason Jesus could sleep on the, on the boat in the middle of the storm. He knew it wasn't, he wasn't going to die that day. It wasn't time. He knew that he could trust the Lord. So we trust the Lord in those trials, right? We trust the Lord. Now, we have these things that flowed, right, from who we are as a royal priesthood, who we are as a set-apart, a holy nation. And we're told to submit in two different places. Submit to the government, submit to your masters and these authorities, and then we get to chapter 3, and there it is. Wives, likewise, be submissive. Now you know what that means. All that to tell you what that word, likewise, means. It means likewise, like the stuff I just said. Like when you submit to the government, like when you submit to a master, not just the good and the gentle, but the harsh. This is, this is how you're going to be. You're going to submit to your own husbands. Even if some do not obey the word, they, without a word, well then with what? With your submission, may be won by the conduct of their wives when they observe your chaste conduct accompanied by fear. Now this word fear here, of course, is connected to the word we read earlier, this is, this is the idea that you're reverencing, respecting, and honoring your husband. So, who is he talking to? you got to think about this. When you bring the gospel to a place where there was no gospel, sometimes you get just the husband and sometimes you get just the wife, right? We still see that. Sometimes people come uh, to the Lord and it's just the husband that comes or it's just the wife that comes. And so at home, you have an unbeliever. And the question is, do I submit to this unbelieving husband? And he says, yeah, be submissive. And in your submissive, in your chaste conduct, in your reverence, showing, showing your husband this, you might win him. And it probably happened lots of times then, and it still happens today. That there is something about showing that honor and respect and submission, and that it even grew as you became a Christ follower. You didn't despise and reject, you submitted and showed reverence. Why? Because, because scripture tells me, husband, that your role is to lead our family, and, I, and I'm to be submissive to that. And so I'm gonna do that, and I'm gonna do it with my, with my whole heart. And the husband's going, what about all the non-submission that you used to do? Jesus has changed me. Now he's going, I think I like this Jesus, right? It's a witness. It's a testimony. So then we have Ephesians 5, 15 through 16 to give us some context here on this. 945, we're doing okay. Okay, it says this. See then that you walk circumspectly, not as fools, but as wise, redeeming the time because the days are evil. Does this apply to us today or was this just 2,000 years ago? I would say increasing. That, that line is going up and to the right. 
on that graph, right? The days are getting more and more evil. Therefore, do not be unwise, but understand what the will of the Lord is, and do not be drunk with wine, in which is dissipation, but be filled with the Spirit, speaking to one another in psalms and hymns and spiritual songs, singing and making melody in your heart to the Lord, giving thanks always for all things to God the Father in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ, submitting to one another in the fear of God. Here we have it again, submitting. Who's submitting here? All of us. Husbands to wives, wives to husbands, brothers and sisters in Christ to each other. We're submitting to one another. And here's that word again, fear of God. It is our reverence for God. It is our fear of him that causes us to submit to one another. We do it for him. Every one of you should be submitting to one another. So it is not just the wife that likewise submits to her husband. It's the husband also submits to the wife. As the wife and the husband submit to, to other brothers and sisters in Christ, as we all submit to one another, preferring each other, right? Preferring each other. Well, he gets more detailed. Wives, submit to your own husbands. Now, this time the Holy Spirit is inspiring Paul, but it's the same Holy Spirit that inspired Peter to write. As to the Lord, well, that is difficult. And I'll tell you why. Because we trust the Lord. But we don't always trust our husbands. You don't have to say amen. <laughs> but why are we submitting? For the husband is the head of the wife, as also Christ is the head of the church, and he is the savior of the body. So, wow, we don't, again, we like to read the scripture, I think. I was talking to Tiffany about this this week. We have this, what I'll call, we have American eyes for the scripture, or what I would refer to as American eyes of Jesus. We tend to bring to the scripture a very culture, and everybody does this. You have your own culture, you have your own framework, your own worldview, you sort of bring it to the scripture. And I think a lot of people read this and they go, that, 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 that can't be, that can't mean what it means, or it was for that time, or, you know, it's, it's, it, it can't, it can't be that. And I have news for you. This is the word of God, and that is, that is what it says. And that is what it means. Now, we'll get to what that looks like in a second, but, it, but that is real. So the first thing you got to do is go, okay, that's a real thing. My husband, if, if you're a wife, my husband is the head of me. In other words, he is in charge and responsible for me. I am to submit to him as I submit to the Lord. Now, again, I'm going to caveat this. If you have abuse in your home, we're not talking about putting yourself in danger in this case, Okay. Obviously, come and talk to us if that's the case. Don't, don't do that. I'm talking about normal submission, which is most of what people get worked up. It's not, most people are not worked up about my husband is abusing me. I don't want to submit to him. Most of them are talking about, I don't want to submit, period. That's what most people struggle with. Therefore, just as the church is subject to Christ, so let the wise be to their own husbands in everything. What? In everything? Yes. This is getting worse. I can see the looks that I'm getting. This is a, don't shoot the messenger. This is the word of God. I didn't make this up. You think I would make this up? I would not make this up. I'd be too scared. <laughs> everything. In everything. Why? Why? Because the husband will answer to God. That's why. Because the husband will answer to God. And because of that, you submit to him because you're not the one who's going to have to be responsible for it before the Lord. The kinds of things that you generally would submit to your husband on, he is resp he's responsible to protect you. 
He's responsible to care for you, to, to take care of you financially, to make sure you have a place to live, to protect you and your children, to do all this. He's responsible for all those things. He has to actually answer to God. You won't be the one answering to God for that. He will. And therefore, you've got to submit to him. That's his role. It's not because he's better than you. Goodness sakes. We know that's not true. We're equal. Male and female, he created them. There's no, well, the husband, you submit to the husband because he's more important than you. That's not what it says. That's not what it says. This is a role that God has designed for men and a role that God has designed for women within the context of marriage. It's a difficult one, but it is that role. Okay. Husbands, here we go. Love your wives just as Christ also loved the church and gave himself for her. So we have wives submitting to their husbands as to, as to the Lord, right? Like, Christ, like the church submits to Christ. But then husbands get hit with, okay, but if they're going to submit to you, you better love them like Jesus loves you. That's a tough thing to do. I don't, I don't know that there's a person in the world that I could love like Jesus loves. I'm not, I'm not there yet. I'm not mature enough yet. Hopefully I'll be there. But he loved the church and gave himself for her, meaning you would sacrifice for your wife. If you are in a position where you love her like Jesus loves her, then she's not going to have a problem submitting to you like she'd submit to Jesus, is she? Because you're showing her that kind of love and sacrifice and willingness to lay yourself aside. And I think I've talked about this before. It's easier to say, I would die for my wife. I would jump in front of the bus and push her out of the way. So what? That's a second. Will you take the trash out? That takes a lot longer, right? <laughs> jump in front of the bus. I got no more aches and pains. I'm with Jesus. Like, wasn't I a good boy? I jumped in front of the bus. Like, no. Do you think about what she needs? Do you serve her? Are you her biggest, are you her biggest fan? Are you her biggest supporter? Are you looking for the things in your wife to help cultivate all the gifts God has given her? Are you preparing her to one day meet Jesus Christ? Don't tell me about the bus that you jump in front of. I don't care. I hope you would. What are you, a, you know, a wuss? Of course. I hope, you, I hope you protect your wife physically. I mean, oh, well, congratulations. How about doing the hard things every single day? Because that's what Jesus did for you. And it wasn't a bus. He went through an awful lot of suffering for us. You, you need to likewise be willing to suffer for them. There's your likewise, husbands. Your likewise is like Jesus did. Like he does. Like he loves. I am, I got so much more. We're going to have to come back to it. Um, because I want to do communion this morning and enjoy that together. So we will continue from that spot. Lord willing, next week.